What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dialed Health. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, and I'm very excited to wish you all a happy new year. It's 2021, and the Dialed Health shred just started. In fact, this is the first episode of the new year, so lots to be excited for. But we're going to jump into the topic of the Dialed Health shred first and foremost. And don't worry if you're not doing the Dialed Health shred. I think this is going to be really interesting to you because we're discussing what it's going to or what it should feel like to lose fat. Losing fat is very common for people to bring up things like loss of energy oh it's tough you know you shouldn't do it if you're an athlete this and that but to track your food and to fuel your performance while you're losing body fat is a very uh, realistic thing to do and it's the best way to do it in my opinion and that's why i'm coaching people through the process so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty about what the first week should feel like physically what it should feel like mentally i actually started my personal shred about five days before everyone else really just to get my mindset right because until you're going through the process you almost don't understand the details and there's so many little hang-ups that you can find along the way and that's why i'm excited to be just in front of you guys so you can hear this content and be a little bit more prepared for this first week and of course we're going to be talking about it all month but i'm excited so uh, after that we're going to go into a discussion on marginal gains it's going to be quick but really come back to consistency which you know i'm all about and then we're going to talk about a very specific scenario that was a question written in about how to schedule uh, to peak a certain time of the year especially with events being on the fritz still this year you want to understand why you would set your strength schedule up a certain way uh, if you should have it in line with your riding plan or not or the options there that are available to you so we'll go over all that and then we get into uh a, just a kind of a fun question i'm basically going to give you some mtv resources if you're a roadie that wants to know where to go and see cool mountain bike stuff and then a new year's update i'm gonna let you know about my last week of the year kind of prepping for the dialed health shred and things that have already kind of come up this year which is crazy to say that i'm really excited about they're kind of doors opening i feel like to really scale this year the way i want to so if you do have a specific question you want me to answer for you on the podcast uh, you can submit a question to my email derek at dialedhealth.com that's d-e-r-e-k at dialedhealth.com and if you're enjoying the podcast please post it to your instagram story and tag dialed health that would be awesome it's uh the podcast is growing which is insane. And I know it's because you guys are doing this and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to do that. So thank you so much. Let's dive in. What should fat loss feel like? I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one. You are going to feel hungry. <laughs> You're in a caloric deficit. Your body is going to go through hunger and utilize fat cells as its fuel source. And that is absolutely required for you to burn fat. But how do you do that in a way that you still can fuel your performance? Really, the answer is food tracking. There, in my opinion, is no other way. And 100%, I don't think this is even arguable. There is no more clear way to do it. In regards to teaching, in regards to learning this as a skill, which you can apply for the rest of your life, there is no better way to do it. I, I'm so excited for everyone to go through this process who is doing the Dial Health Shred. And if you're listening right now, I, I am trying to sell you on food tracking to at least look into it and give it a shot because it is the ultimate in regards to clarity. And the way you can move food around your day to fuel individual bouts of performance is unlike anything I think you can achieve intuitively without going through this process. It would be so, oh my gosh, you would have to be so... Um, 
I, I guess personally just intuitive. I, I don't know how you would do it. I really don't. Uh, so that's why we do food tracking. And I want to give you a really good play-by-play of what we're going to go, you're going to go through uh, from day one, day two, day three, kind of through the first week. So the first thing I want to tell you guys is that when you start food tracking, you should, you know, learn your BMR. I have the resources on the website for all the members, uh, which is, you know, calculating your BMR, uh, the food scale you should buy, uh, really how to take before and after photos, how to track your food. All those things are important to kind of play with before I'd say you officially make the jump and start. But even when you say, okay, today I am tracking all my food, I promise you, you're going to mess up. (laughs) You're probably, there's going to be something that happens. You could have the best intentions ever and you could just get to a corner toward the end of the day where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, I have two more meals left and I'm basically out of fat. Uh, And I will, I usually tell people focusing on your calories and your protein is without a doubt the most important thing, but there are people tracking very specific macros, uh, carbs and fat as well. And so long story short, you're just, you're, you're going into such a different way of eating potentially that you can't expect to nail it the first go. And what I would say when that happens, because it's definitely happened to me, you can't freak out and just say, this is not for me. This is too hard. This is impossible, whatever, and, and quit. You have to really analyze it and be like, okay, I'm already out of fat today. Let me look at what I've logged so far. What had a lot of fat in it that I could probably take out? Oh, I added avocado to my lunch. Mm, I could take that out. Oh, I had um, you know, a bunch of egg, full eggs when I could actually just do egg whites. And you may not have the answers that soon, but you can do some research on it. You can look up low-fat breakfast or low-fat omelets or something like that. So there are so many resources available. It just takes time to stop and think about it in a rational way. I mean, this is the reason I started eating egg whites. I never ate egg whites before I started tracking food, but I used to eat three to four eggs every morning on avocado toast, two slices with a full half of an avocado cooked in butter. And you know, it's all extremely healthy, nutritious, beautiful food, especially on my, you know, sprouted grain bread and all that. But it's just so high calorie that even though I'm probably healthy, I'm not going to lose fat and accomplish those goals. You're just not with that kind of food. So I was like, okay, how do I keep eating eggs, which I really like and manipulate my numbers. And I was like, well, I could just do one egg and I could do six egg whites for less calories than this, have more protein and less fat. And it's the same volume of food. So I'm actually just as full as I was, uh, at least the capacity in my stomach is that I was with the four eggs. And then you could take out, you know, the things like the avocado, whatever. This this is my personal experience, and it's just an example. But that happened when I first started tracking food, where I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna track and see what this breakfast is like. And by the time I'm cracking my fourth egg in the pan, I'm like, dude, I already overdid it. So it's okay when that happens. Just don't panic. Think rationally, and you can make those adjustments. Um, now, when you know what to do like I do at this point, I've done a few tracking bouts myself, you can jump in and out of the fat burning process so much more quickly. And that's the exciting thing is you you learn the first time through and then you're not gonna forget. You know when it's tracking time that there's certain things that are gonna change. Like for me, I don't really love stevia as a sweetener. I don't love it, but I do like it and it sometimes takes the edge off for me a lot. Whether it's drinking a Zevia soda at night, especially when I'm doing dry January, or even in my coffee in the morning for some reason, if I just want something sweet, I can throw that in there. It's natural, it's sweet, it does satisfy, and it's not my number one choice. I mean, I want sugar in the raw. I want maple syrup. 
and oat milk in my coffee. <laughs> but it, it just doesn't line up with your goals. There's a bigger purpose. So you, you know, those types of foods start to make their appearance and you'll remember that this is what I did last time. This is at least where I can start. And what I'll say too is that every time I've tracked, I've learned a little bit more and it's also allowed me to maintain a leaner physique like I've slowly you know everyone yo-yos to an extent right so every time I've tracked I've gotten really really lean and they kind of come back up a little bit and the amount I've come back up has been less and less every time I've done this I would say probably five times over the last two years so that's what's really cool because I think you not only learn better techniques but you learn things like types of foods that you actually enjoy and, you know the egg white thing I've been making these egg white pancakes, I call it. I'll do uh, four to eight egg whites, just full on egg whites. No, not even adding an egg and they're great. I actually really enjoy it. And so that's something I just kept around and it's helped me keep that leaner physique for longer. So you'll learn, you'll be able to jump in and out of fat loss quicker. Like when I started on the 31st to today, I've already lost four pounds. And I don't want that to be discouraging if that hasn't been your case, but that is what to look forward to if you are experienced and you know what to do. So here is kind of what I go through on a day-to-day -day basis when I jump into my food tracking. And again, this is me jumping in knowing what to do. So day one, honestly, I, I feel generally better, but I have cravings. When you, I mean, food is so addictive. It's not that I really need to explain it, but I, I wish we had more boundaries on it just as a society. It's, it's too acceptable, the junk that we can put in our bodies. And trust me, I have Oreos in my pantry right now. I'm not telling you that I don't enjoy this type of food, but they come with a serious cost. And um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that in the future. So day one, I'm still craving those Oreos. And it usually comes around the afternoon. Like I'll start the day perfect. I'm you know, eating, hitting, tracking everything I wanna do. And then toward the afternoon, I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, that same morning I could be like, man, I feel so good. I never wanna eat sugar again. And then by the nighttime, I mean, I'm just looking at this popcorn that has drizzled chocolate on it and just drooling. So that's very real. And I will say cravings change very drastically through a consistent tracking process. I, like, I promise you, if you nail this month, by the end of the month, you probably won't be craving, you, you definitely won't be craving the same things. And the things that you'll crave are so much more mellow than, you know, they're, they're kind of normal foods that you might've eaten last month, to be honest. You know, uh, I was just watching this uh, Chris Bumstead guy, I brought him up. He's the Olympia classic physique champ, bodybuilder dude. Not that I expect you guys to watch that, but I enjoy these, uh, some of these bodybuilding uh, content guys. So he was talking about how after the bodybuilding show, he just wanted a sandwich. <laughs> and these guys are on the most extreme end of food tracking. I mean, they literally can't even eat stevia. They can't, it is unreal what you'd see the last couple of weeks. Don't worry, you're not going anywhere close to there. But what I noticed when I get, you know, four or five weeks into a tracking thing, I know we're doing a 30 day challenge here, but you're gonna walk through the store and you're just gonna be like, oh my gosh, like that juice, that, that green juice looks so good or that cracker or that baguette. You'll look at a, a piece of bread like you've never looked at a piece of bread before, which is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's been my experience. So anyways, day one, you're gonna feel really good. You're gonna feel motivated, but the cravings are gonna be real. Now, day two, you are going to be less bloated. I can almost promise you that. And if you're drinking your water, 
like the hydration minimums we have for the Dowd Health Shred, which is 100 ounces for women. It's a full gallon for men, which is 128 ounces. You're going to have this like detox effect. It possibly. And I know that my system is very responsive. Not everyone else's is. But most likely, you're going to have some extra bowel movements, which means you could uh, be going to Brown Town uh, a couple extra times than normal, okay? A couple brown surprises throughout the day, but it's going to feel good. In fact, it's going to help and be kind of a part of the bloat. <laughs> Sorry, that was the weirdest way to say that. But you're probably going to be pooping and you're probably going to start like cleaning out your body because you're drinking more water, you're eating less food, you're not backing up your system. And like that's one thing I notice and you'll notice it when you get on the bike too. The way food moves through your system is totally different. It's so much more efficient. You can feel food so much better when it's already not like bound up with so many other things in your body. And at this point, you're probably going to have an initial energy boost where you, you're just kind of cleaning out. You feel really good. I always notice day two, you know, you just are kind of realizing, oh my gosh, I mean, I, I feel sharper. I feel like I have more energy. I don't, I just feel light. And then day three happens <laughs> and you might wake up hungry at this point. You start to actually feel genuine hunger opposed to just cravings. And you just want to be clear on what the difference is between real hunger and cravings. So if you're just full on shaky, low energy, if you're just irritable, that is probably real hunger. Cravings are like, wow, I want those Oreos so bad. Does your body really want Oreos? No, it wants calories. It doesn't want those Oreos. So always think about that with food. If you're just craving this very, very specific food, your body's not craving that food. It's craving the, the energy it's getting from that food. It's craving the macro breakdown of that food. Most likely, if you're, you know, you're craving alcohol, you know, like that, was, oh my gosh, I've already seen a tequila ad and it just looked like better than ever. I mean, not drinking for, let's see, it's been five days now and I have not gone more than two days in a row since quarantine started without drinking probably one or two, one to three drinks every night. I'd say it's usually two, usually two. So going five days and then seeing a tequila ad really kind of just triggered something. So cravings are real, but don't let them decept you to thinking that you're actually hungry. Uh, if that kind of makes sense. So if you are genuinely hungry, what I would say is don't freak out, don't panic, up your calories that day by two to 300. That is okay. You are not failing because two to 300 calories extra that day is still probably less than you would have ate not tracking for most of us, unless you're a hard gainer and you just don't have an appetite in general. Uh, most of us can afford to add these extra calories and still make progress and not have such a shock to the system. That is very, very okay. In fact, this uh, round of food tracking for me, because I'm doing just higher intensity rides than I used to, to be honest, higher intensity workouts as well. But I upped my calories by 200 for my basal metabolic rate, which puts me at 1.4 if you do the equation, uh, which is even more than I suggest for the max. So I did that just because it felt realistic. And so if you are just that hungry, add some calories onto your day and then your body will adapt. Your stomach is going to shrink. It really will. And when it shrinks, you'll probably feel a little bit more confident uh, about going to the lower calories. So just remember, nothing compares to not tracking. Don't blow it out of the water because you're hungry. Just add a little bit. Okay. So now you're at this point where you, okay, are kind of, you're feeling hungry every single day, but your energy should be managed. Now by managing energy, we're going to go into that next, which is carb cycling. 
uh, daily for your workouts. But what I want to really, really, I, I cannot stress this enough. I want to encourage you to do this. Do not interrupt the process. If you blow it on a day bad, really blow it. I mean, you just say, F it, I'm getting pizza and ice cream. You are not just setting yourself back one day because, and it's, it's tough. I should have pulled up actually some science on this, but from my own experience, from the experience of others I've had, you freak your body out and your body is going, even though it's an immediate calories at one time, all of a sudden the bloat comes back. All of a sudden the digestive stuff comes back. And you have to take another day or two to get back out of that. And it just really, it, it takes this one blowout meal or blowout. If you have a blowout day, you're going to put yourself behind multiple days. So that's why I say you just can't panic and you have to be very rational throughout this process and just add a little bit of calories. If you are very hungry, eat a whole potato, literally eat a whole potato, eat two cups of white rice, eat something like that. That is very filling. In fact, potatoes are proven to be the most satiating food per calorie, per density, uh, in regards to, you know, how satisfied they make you and how little calories they are. So do something like that, that has, it's going to make you feel better, but it's not going to interrupt the process. And that's when people say, Oh, can I have cheat days? I'm like, no, 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 no. If you have a cheat day, you are cheating for multiple days uh, in regards to the response it's going to have on you. It, seriously, that is so freaking real. Now, if you, here's the thing. If you're tracking and you're nailing your food and you have two to 300 extra calories of Oreos, let's just say you can fit that in somehow, you're going to be all right. But I'm talking about the, I went 1500 calories over. I went 2000 calories over, which is very easy to do. And you'll realize that once you start tracking your food. So don't interrupt the process. I urge you, do not interrupt the process, okay? Don't panic. Eat your white rice. Eat your potatoes. Have them on deck just in case you need it. That, is your, that can be a great bailout food for you. Now, you are going to sit in this fat-burning mode, and we can make adjustments along the way. But this is the first week, okay? You go from cravings to feeling better, less bloated. You have that energy boost. And then you're just kind of generally hungry. Every single time you eat a meal at this point, you are, you're not really that, you're not really full. I'll tell you that. If you're spacing your food out through the day evenly, which is what I'd recommend. You know, some people do intermittent fasting with this. But if you're spacing your food out through the day, just you don't expect to ever really be full, but I promise you, eat your food. If you want more food, don't eat food. Drink water, okay? Drink more water. You can drink more than the given requirements, and the added water is going to help you feel more full. So drink the water, and then sit for 10 to 20 minutes, and then really ask yourself if you need more. I, more often than not, you're going to be like, okay, that was enough. I'm good. I'm happy I didn't blow it out of the water and stay on track. Now, in regards to that too, when you have cravings at night, this is kind of, I didn't plan on talking about this, but when you have cravings at night, which almost everyone does, most people snack at night, eat at night. It's one of the hardest things about, I would say, going through this process is avoiding that. You have to remember how you're going to feel the next morning. Every time you say no and you stay on track, when you wake up, I guarantee you the first thing you're going to think of is, I'm proud of myself for not doing that. I feel better. I'm so happy that day didn't go to waste because you going over and blowing it is going to kind of waste that day of dieting, it, just to be 100% candid with you. And I'm not trying to scare you out of it. I just want you to be realistic because if you do end up giving in to cravings, you have that extra 500 calories right before bed, you go to bed, you may not wake up with less fat on your body. 
But if you go to bed in that deficit, you stay on track to your goals, you could wake up literally leaner because fat oxidizes, you breathe out, you're going to wake up leaner. It's a great feeling to wake up leaner and to know you'd put in the work and then you just have to refocus on that day. So keep that in mind. Uh, you got to experience it to let it motivate you in the future. Now, that is how you're going to feel generally throughout the day. And when you go to your workouts, this is when you want to focus on some form of carb cycling. So before your workout, make sure your meal is higher carb than a traditional meal outside of a workout would be. Uh, So for example, like a normal breakfast for me would be, let's just say eight egg whites with oatmeal with some honey and blueberries on top. Uh, But instead, I'd probably just do the oatmeal before a trainer ride, or maybe I'll have half the amount of egg whites. So I'll eat that before the ride. I make sure I bring my calories on my ride. Obviously, we've talked about caloric goals um, for your rides. So it could be anywhere from 50 grams an hour to 100 grams an hour. I, I don't know what your personal goal is. Just make sure you keep that on track. And I would honestly recommend, since your body is already in fat, like you're already in that deficit, bring a little bit more than extra because you're probably going to be reaching for it sooner than you did previously. That is something I've learned from experience, just bring an extra gel, bring an extra 100 calories or whatever, and you might just notice that you're reaching for it sooner than you expected, and that's okay. Uh, But you're also going to feel it go into your system even more efficiently than you did before, which is very cool. Uh, I love that feeling. So you're going to have a little bit of extra calories through your ride, and then after, just make sure that's your big meal. So if you normally have meals that, like me, my normal meals are around 500 calories. But post-ride, I'm probably going to have a 700-calorie meal, and it's probably going to be higher in carb than normal. It's going to be still high protein, but I did a shake after my ride today, and I put so much honey in it, and it was freaking awesome. And it was delicious. It was satisfying, and I felt so much better. And although I can tell my metabolism was raised because I was hungry, I'd take two hours after it and ready for my next meal, I was able to get back to my baseline and just get back to my next meal, which was 500 calories. It was evenly macro spaced, high protein, and you're kind of back in the rhythm. So that's how the carb cycling should look when you're eating your meals. And uh, that's pretty much, I think, the most important things to talk about uh, in regards to, oh, on the macro percentages. Sorry, I'm I'm scrolling through my notes here and I want to make sure I don't miss anything. This is something I have not talked about, which I now need to put out content for. I can see that because when you are doing rides, you burn, let's just say you burn 1500 calories and most of the calories you burn need to be replaced through glycogen, AKA carbohydrate. So it's going to mess up your percentages. It's going to F them up, uh, to say a little bit more straightly. So you can't expect to keep your carbs at 45 or 50%, let's just say for your total. And it's okay if you end that day at 60%. I know that some people who are even better at eating pure carbs around their workouts, uh, which I can't, I can't really stomach it. I've actually heard Alex Wild talk about this. And he's like, I just eat straight gummy bears because it's straight sugar. And I try and replace all those calories burnt with pure carbs. That's hard for me to do. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. So I tend to overeat every macro a little bit, but instead of ending the day, like right now my carbs are set at 50% for my day, it's probably gonna be around 60 at the end of the day for me. He goes up to 70 
And so that's okay to see that swing in carbohydrate. In fact, you shouldn't expect to evenly up your macros with all the extra calories you burnt because even the protein alone, your stomach's going to start feeling heavy. And keep that in mind. And truthfully, it's not refueling you the way that you should be because what you really need to replenish because of the specific activity is the carbohydrates. So if you take on more protein, if you take on more fat, that's okay, but intend on eating more carbs. It should be a win for you. And so that's really kind of how you should feel for the first week outside of your workouts, how you should feel inside of your workouts. And I'm excited we're going over it. I'm, I'm really stoked for everyone who's going through this process. Um, if you have specific, <laughs> if you have a, 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 a gefilte fish, um, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm going to cut this off because I think we covered it. But if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. I will be absolutely doing something similar on the next week's episode uh, to talk about day two and things to expect. We're now jumping into some questions from members. This first one is from at Ben underscore Eins, and he asks, can you talk about the power of marginal gains? So this marginal gains term was coined by the British cycling team coach, Dave Brailsford. And he took, basically he took the British cycling team from a long history of poor performance, uh, you know, one gold medal in the last like 76 years to winning seven of the 10 gold medals at the 2008 Olympics. And from there, you know, won three of the next four Tour de France's. We all know uh, the British cycling team is a force to be reckoned with at this point. And he really turned that around. So they gained a lot of attention and this term marginal gains has been discussed at length. So really what he says, like the training philosophy behind it is to strip back everything you can think of and improve each one independently. Uh, when you put it back together, you'll see drastic improvement. Now, to give you an example of what they did and how detailed they got in regards to stripping back their, I would say, process and to improve their performance is like they went and this one's really famous and it has been talked about, but they created their own beds and bedding uh, basically to be fitted for every cyclist at the Tour de France. And they had them put in every single hotel each night they were moving around France. And those beds were what they slept on. And it was like this really, really marginal gain where they knew that they'd have consistent sleeping. It was optimal for every single rider and all of their posture and everything like that. And it's something that, of course, I, I mean, I've never thought of that, about that traveling for races or even bringing a pillow along that I enjoyed or something. And I'm sure a lot of other teams haven't even considered that as, a, as an option. And he did. And when you think about that mentality and how it can be, I guess, put into every single area of performance or the whole process, now you're really making some gains when you put it all back together, like he said. So one thing to consider with the cycling team specifically is that these guys are already pros. You don't have to tell them to ride more. You don't have to tell them to do their massage or whatever physical training or rest they have to just get done because they're already pros. They're doing it for the most part. So for them, going to those minute details is very important. Now, there's some other people that have to really look at the bigger picture and just say, hey, I need to just start doing this thing in any way, shape, or form, and that's gonna be improvement. So remember, you don't have to go that crazy until you're at a certain level. But to give you an example of how small things can have a huge impact, uh, it could be like drinking water before your coffee in the morning. Now, even adding 12 ounces of water before your coffee, so you wake up and you chug 12 
ounces. This is so realistic. In fact, I drink 16 to 24. Sometimes I drink 32 ounces. It's a big mason jar full of water before my coffee in the morning. And I honestly crave it before anything. I can't even imagine just going straight to coffee without having that water first because it makes me feel so much better. But drinking even 12 ounces of water before your coffee every single day, 365 days a year, that comes down to 4,380 ounces, which is divided by 128, uh, is 34 gallons of water extra that year. Extra. I mean, think about your general hydration levels, one of the most important healthy habits that you can have, how much more, uh, how much of a positive effect it'll have if you have 34 more gallons of water moving through your body that year. And that was just from drinking 12 ounces a day before your coffee in the morning. And that's like the perfect example because it's realistic, it's simple, but it has this compounding legit effect. Another example is getting one 30-minute workout in five days per week, okay? So if you are someone who is not working out, but maybe you feel like it's too much to take on, just doing 30 minutes a day, five days per week, adds up to 130 hours of workouts per year, 130 hours. Now, I probably should have done the math to make it even three days per week or something, but 30 minutes, five days a week, 130 hours extra of exercise that you potentially did that year. Or you could even add that time on to your current uh, exercise or your training plan or your ride volume or whatever it may be. It really compounds. In fact, it leads me to my next point, which means, or which is the book I read, The Compound Effect. I read it a few years ago and it had probably the most impact on me that any other book has had because of how simple the ideas were in regards to doing these small things that really do just compound up over years and years and years. And it's hard to grasp sometimes when you think, oh, wow, if I start saving you know, $50 a week now in 10 years, you know, we, we, we've all had that discussion before and I'm not perfect with it, but there are areas, uh, like this where I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, if I, for example, my goal this year is to not hit my snooze button on my alarm. But when I hit my snooze button, what it doesn't allow me to do in the morning is stretch or read my Bible or even just take a breath and kind of visualize the day and just not feel rushed in the morning. So for me, getting right out of bed and what I've had to do to accomplish this is put my alarm clock or my phone across the room. And so it goes off and I get out of bed quickly and turn it off within you know, probably 30 seconds because I'm not trying to wake up my wife and my kid and yada yada. So it's not the funnest way to start the day. But as soon as I walk back toward my bed, I'm already awake. And then I go out, start my coffee. I drink my water. I take a leak and brush my teeth and do my routine. And then all of a sudden now I'm not missing my Bible. I'm reading that more consistently. I am now adding a little bit of stretching in the morning. I have more time to visualize, like I just said. And then when I move into my social posting, which I do first thing uh, for work every day, uh, or just general communications, you know, emails or whatever it may be, then I have more time for it and I don't feel rushed. And those all, all those things were affected just because I decided to not hit my snooze button and give myself an extra 30 minutes in the morning. Uh, I, I know that a snooze button's like seven minutes or 10 minutes, but usually when you hit it once, you hit it more than once. <laughs> in fact, the very first day this year, I put it across the room. I heard the alarm go off and I just reached over to try and smack it and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, geez, <laughs> I forgot. So remember that even the small thing can not only affect that for the better, but have a huge compounding effect on other areas of your life, which is really cool to think about. And it's something I should have said in regards to the water, because not only are you taking in that much more water, 
and you're probably just feeling better at that moment while you're drinking it and maybe for the next hour but maybe your workout's better that day because you're more hydrated maybe you start recovering faster and your performance gets higher i mean i'm only making uh assumptions and it's just like possibilities but the truth is they're very very likely so keep that in mind uh when you do make a goal even though it can be as small as not hitting your snooze button it can have a compounding effect on other areas just like it did for my my stretching my bible my morning routine and even my work this next question is from at mark j gower on instagram he wrote this over and had an, an initial question that i followed up to and then had the second half of the question essentially so i'll read through my response as well as his question so you have the context he says hey h and y which I just realized means Happy New Year, by the way. I have no idea what these abbreviations mean. I struggled with the WFH thing, the work from home. Um, a BTW has gotten me in the past, and now I have, I'm working with H&Y. So I figured out <laughs> the Happy New Year. And uh, anyways, we got it now. So he says, hey, Happy New Year from the UK. Quick question. I'm about to finish phase two of the road program and with what looks like a fair few months of base build training still ahead of me. Should I roll over to one of the program's earlier phases as I won't need the explosive stuff quite yet, then come back to the road phase three closer to racing, which is, for those that don't know, the road program phase three is the power phase. Let me know if you would rather I post this on the forum or ask on the podcast. I can imagine that this that chopping and changing between programs is a frequent question. And then he follows it up and says, maybe not such a quick question, sorry. <laughs> that is also something I get a lot, which is, it's totally cool. I mean, I, obviously I love my job. I love working through this with people. But yeah, I'll, I'll have someone say, Hey, quick question. Uh, can you program an entire year for me? <laughs> How do you program an entire year? Which is basically kind of what we're doing here. So my initial response was, can you send me your on the bike plan? Uh, just a general idea of like base training till March. And this is just an example, build till May, power peaking until when. Let's discuss that and then move it to the podcast. So then he says, you've pretty much nailed it. Now we will be, ba I'll be base training till March as no winter track or cycle cross racing is likely. Then I'll start to build for June racing, which is rumored to be probably the soonest in the UK. Then I'll aim to peak right through till October with a mini step back in August, which is obviously smart. You don't want to peak for that long or it's not really possible. So uh, stepping it back in August is a great idea. I have a very tailored training plan, uh, which works with my coach on a four to six week block targeting areas of my power curve, as well as just the traditional periodization. So basically what he's asking here is if periodizing your strength training and matching that perfectly with your periodized cycling plan is ideal. So that means, you know, going into your base phase on your bike and doing muscular endurance in the gym because it's kind of higher volume, it's lower intensity, and then moving into a build phase on the bike, which is more like sweet spot uh, intensity. And then you have in the gym, your hypertrophy, which is muscle building. And then you have your strength, which is just focusing on strength. Those are kind of comparable. And then you go into power on the bike. So short spiky intervals and, you know, interval times can change, yada, yada. But in the gym, now you're doing box jumps, you're doing kettlebell swings and other explosive movements like that. So should those line up together? Now, obviously, yes, that does make the most sense, but there is, in my opinion, a reason not to do it that way. But, and if you do do it in the way where you line up the periodization and you're able to have i'll just say the mental fortitude to do it because it can be a little mundane to sit in those zones for so long every workout that in every effort throughout the week for so long 
And so if you can do that, there's only one thing that I would challenge you to, in, uh, to focus on, especially if you're a high volume road cyclist, this is when it gets really important. This is, uh, to be honest, high volume road, high volume cross country, these are kind of the two people that really need to be aware of this. But if you're lining up your periodization exactly, you just wanna dial back the weight in the gym, honestly. You wanna go with a lighter weight, which is still gonna activate your muscles the way we want. It's gonna hit that energy system we want. It's gonna allow you to move faster, just like we want in the gym, which is ultimately the goal is to be explosive, but it's not gonna have the taxing strain that doing that under a crazy load would. So you can just dial back the weight a little bit. You'll still get that power build that you want in the gym, and then you can put all of your effort and intensity into the bike the way you should. That truthfully is the best way to do it in my opinion. And then that goes into a really good maintenance phase, which using the dialed health programs goes into the, the guided core workouts and, and some guided options that you can do throughout the summer, uh, or just going back to power workouts that you feel very comfortable with and doing them at a slightly lower intensity. And of course, it depends how far out you are from races. It depends really what level you're racing at. There's a lot of factors to consider, but the most important thing and the most general thing that applies to everyone is just bringing back the weight a little bit if you match the periodization together so that your cycling workouts can be more intense in the way they're intended to be because if you go from a hard interval session the next day you're doing a weight session that has this explosive super hard effort it can be explosive but it shouldn't be as taxing as the intervals would be on your bike so i hope that makes sense so that is something that you should really keep in mind if you can do it that way it's it's ideal in my opinion at this point now what i have seen though is that people like to keep things fresh and you might find this to be honest maybe a, a lower level athlete but let's just be real here i know some of the world's best mountain bikers that don't have structured training plans straight up enduro riders not as much as when you get into xc type stuff i'm sure there's some guys in that that field kind of winging it more than you would expect but there are so i don't want to say that you're like a beginner if you can't maintain that crazy structure and that mundane schedule of just sitting in these phases for so long so don't take it the wrong way but what i'm saying is for people to stay consistent which still beats out a lot of high level pros <laughs> in regards to training they like to switch up their program and have things that are fresh so for mark to actually uh, move to a different, like finish out the program he's at, even though it would mean he's training a power phase in the gym and then he's doing a base phase on the bike. And for him to finish that out and then to go back at a base phase and then regrow and kind of catch up to his on the bike plan, that is an option for him. And it could allow him to do a fully different program. It could allow him to keep things fresh, keep things exciting. And it would be interesting to, I mean, we would need so much time to see which one worked better for him, but I think it just comes down to your, your mental capacity. It's like, if that is something that keeps you consistent and excited, it's probably going to keep the general perceived effort of your training stress down, which is probably going to have a better effect on your training. Now it goes against some programming, uh, I would say ideals, but I live in the real world and I know that sometimes flawed periodization can be better because it allows for consistency over the person who's perfectly periodized but missing half their workouts or just not having fun or not enjoying life. You know, if you are a pro athlete 
and you're at the level of consistency and you can make these decisions, like you need to make these decisions that are best for your performance. But if you're not getting paid to ride your bike, you, <laughs> you need to consider how much you're enjoying your life as well. So my suggestion to you, Mark, would be two options. Uh, number one suggestion would be to finish your current program and move on to the XC program. So it would slowly, it would take you out of your perfect periodization briefly, but then it would put you in the XC program, which is a great progression of the road program. It's a little less stable and it's a four month program. So then you'll not only be able to finish out the program that you're on and get a little bit of that power stimulus, but then it'll put you right back into your base and then it's all gonna line up toward the end of your, uh, toward the end of your peak essentially. And I think that's just a great option for you. It's different, it's fun, it's a perfect balance between structured periodization that lines up and also some variety that's gonna keep things fun. Or what you can do, if you wanna be a little bit more OCD about it, and this is honestly more power to you, you could finish the current program, so still go through the power phase of the current road program, but then repeat the road program and add two weeks to each phase, which just kind of looking at the schedule helps you hit that goal of around June at the time that you want. So you still go into a power phase, but because you're just going back and repeating the program, there's your body's going to uh, not have to go through the same adaptation, I guess. Uh, but then again, it's a little bit more mundane. You are going to be repeating the exercise that you've already done, which is totally fine. I mean, people just repeat programs throughout the year. And uh, I mean, I, in my opinion, they're, they're fun enough to do that. So that's another option for you. Um, really, at this point, if you really didn't want to go through that power phase right now, you could just restart the program immediately and add three weeks to each phase, which that would be on the ultimate level of OCD, I want perfect periodization. So keep those options in mind. I'll tell you right now, if it was me in your position, I would finish out the road program and move to the XC program. Perfect balance of fun and something new and fresh, allows your body to adapt, good progression, less stability in the XC program, and then it's four months long, lines up perfectly. I think that's a slam dunk right there. Now, no matter which one you choose, once you hit your peak, and you wanna maintain, you're probably gonna to wanna to move to guided core workouts and then use only select power workouts that you feel very comfortable with throughout those couple months. So it allows you to stay consistent, allows you to stay activated. There's gonna be less strain, I would say, just on your legs in general, um, especially if you choose those power workouts that they're gonna help keep you sharp and snappy and potentially using your legs, but they're the ones you're comfortable with, the ones you know you're not gonna be sore from, the no ones you know you can do the week of a race, let's just say on a Tuesday if you're racing Saturday, at a slightly lower intensity, and that you know you're gonna feel fresh and probably ideal for that race. So those are my options for you. I hope that helps a ton and I hope that helps you if you are in a similar position. And, um, you know, it, I'll, I'll tell you right now, as a trainer, it's difficult to give clarity on answers sometimes when there are truly so many options and you've seen so many things work. It's like people just want the exact thing. So I tried to find the balance for you and give you a few options and let me know if you like that. I mean, if you didn't, if you just want to say, do it like this, then I'm totally happy to do that. But uh, Mark, I hope you appreciate the different options for you and that still gives you enough clarity to make the decision. This next question is from at mattpool13. He says, hey, I was thinking maybe a good question or topic for the podcast could be about resources for newbie MTV folks like myself. 
I'm obviously a roadie, but started enjoying mountain biking and want to be like all the cool guys you post in your videos. <laughs> Every time I get on Google looking for new mountain biker tips, all I find is something by REI trying to tell me to have fun and stay safe. And that's just the most important thing. So I think that's a great question because as a mountain biker coming in the road, it's taken a while before I felt like I knew what was happening in the road community. Like what resource do I go to? What's something that I can count on and check and stay kind of up to date and see the latest videos and race results or whatever. And just, just learn about it and, and be about it. So uh, my recommendation to you, Matt, is to go to Pinkbike, pinkbike.com. That feed is going to have everything from the coolest, latest and greatest videos to the latest parts to um, workout posts by Dialed Health with <laughs> to all, just really anything that you'd want to see in regards to mountain biking. They cover everything from uh, World Cup downhill to cross country to enduro racing to the edit that some teenager put together himself to just crash videos they put out every Friday that are super fun to watch. So it's a great way to not only know what's going on in the mountain bike community around the world, but you can also start finding these athletes and then go follow them on Instagram. You know, I was going to put together a list of athletes that I really like to follow on Instagram. Maybe I'll do that in the future, but it is kind of this like never ending thing because I hate to say it, there's just so many cool people. <laughs> and so you can start following everyone or you can just go to this collective space check the pink bike feed on a daily or you know a couple times a week and i think you'll stay up to date with that and find some really really cool stuff you can also go to vital mtb now i would say for really core american mountain bikers especially i mean it's a worldwide website it's huge it's huge but uh there's a huge american presence on it which is really cool and that's I would say in my earlier years of just downhill racing, I think they had more downhill specific content and more gravity focused content. It's a little bit more like, I wanna say quote unquote bro-y, but at the same time, like they have the coolest stuff. I mean, it's, I would say if you are, would consider yourself like a real mountain biker, you love the content that's on there, especially if you appreciate more gravity focused stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this watch the Vital Raws, which are these raw videos they take from practices at World Cups or races or whatever, and it's just no music, all these clips, it is the sickest thing to watch. If you go to YouTube and type in Vital Raw, you'll see all the raw videos on their page and they are the, they're the, just the sickest videos really ever. Everyone's trying to copy them. Pink Bike's doing their own thing of it. Um, you know, raw videos, I think, pretty much got popular because of this. I mean, it's so common you see videos now that don't even have music or the music's super low and you can hear the sounds of the bike because it's just cool and it's relatable. People know what ripping a corner should sound like and when they hear it, they get stoked or vice versa. Maybe they hear it on a video and they're like, ah, my bike doesn't do that. Maybe I should work on my corners. So uh, it's just a fun website to go to. So um, you could also follow both of these people on Instagram. And like I said, collectively, you're going to learn a lot about the community and the individuals behind it. So check out pinkbike.com, check out vitalmtb.com, and that'll be a great place to start. want to jump into a little new year's update for you i'm guessing if you're listening this far into the podcast you're probably invested in what's happening behind the scenes at dialed health and maybe even with myself personally i don't want to jump to conclusion but maybe you care okay so here's what's happening personally i've been extremely stressed the last couple of weeks and in general i'm doing really good i mean i am so excited about this year in general but 
for one, my wife is about to pop with twins. I mean, literally at any moment it could happen. She just went to the doctor yesterday and it's going to happen within two weeks, but most likely it's going to happen before. And even just looking at her on a daily basis, it started, I would say maybe like right after the first of the year, maybe just two or three days ago, but each day her stomach has gotten so low and I'm not even going to get into the doctor details, but stuff is in position it's ready to go okay so there is that pressing thing that's been you know weighing on me all year uh, but dial health is in a great position and we've made this transition to online like i hoped we would at least to a place where I'm, I'm ready to take on these kids however the events over christmas very demanding family time i ended up going on this cabin trip with my family we've been doing it every year for i don't even know how many years but it's just so different now. You know, I have a toddler who doesn't want to be cooped up in a cabin. I have a super pregnant wife who can't really just go snowshoe. You know, it, it's easy. Like even last year, uh, Otto was an infant and he was either sleeping or he was on my back and we were snowshoeing. And Lish doesn't really want to do anything. Otto's being insane. And we're trying to make sure he's not jumping down the stairs or something like that. And then I, in the meantime, didn't set myself up well to take any time off, to be honest. You know, last year it was complicated organizing all the sessions I did in person and my schedule. Uh, but I, once I organized it, I had basically like a week off between that time and I just didn't even have to worry about work, honestly. And this year I was like, oh, well, I can do a few hours in the morning and do a few hours in the afternoon. It'll keep me up on, you know, content and emails and just the communications I need to keep things cruising. But that wasn't the case at all. I mean, I, my grandma's wanted me to play games with them. You know, I have to, obviously I can't just bail out and go do my own thing. And uh, there was weird family drama. Like it was, it was so difficult to get anything done. And I was waking up earlier than everyone just to make sure I could at least stay on top of Instagram, but it put me behind in emails. It put me behind on, honestly, like I got done the dot health shred, shred things that I intended to do. But you, we all know how when you dive into work, new things come up where ideas hit you and then the, all these things that you're like oh man if i had you know a little more time i could do this so that did happen but i was able to get some get that stuff done i just hate when my communications get backed up so i'll even say if you're listening to this and you sent me an email eight days ago there's a chance i didn't get to it which makes my skin crawl i i hate that so much in fact here's the good thing from it now I'm still combing through my emails and it's insane the stuff that I'm like finding, but <laughs> um, I got in contact with a com someone who works in communications. And this is a really positive thing for Dialed Health this upcoming year in regards to growth, because this was kind of like the tipping point of less time plus more communications with Dialed Health Shred. And I was like, I, I need help. <laughs> I just need help. And so the help arrived. I, I, you know, I just know that uh, God has his hand in this business so much. So it's like I've been praying for the support and the help. And then I all of a sudden had this person appear and I was like, oh, my gosh, like it's not like I can go hire somebody, even like a real part time job, but I could at least get direction, get some help. And because I'm just at that tipping point where I'm just starting to miss the mark in regards to my communication. I'm not that far off. I mean, I, even in the last couple of weeks, I've still responded to 95% of everything um, and nailed it, but it's that 5% that gets me. And if we were going to continue to grow, I need the extra support. And the support has uh, most likely arrived. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions, but 
uh, an effort has been made there and I'm really excited about that. So it was just, it was stressful leading up to it. I have that experience of not preparing for time off and I don't know how to really do it. And so now with the twins coming, I'm like, what am I really, like, how am I going to navigate this? And that's what feels a little bit stressful at this point. But besides that, honestly, things are great. Uh, the Dow Health Shred is exceeding my expectations already. And I cannot wait to see the before and afters from people and just to hear about their experience. Because as I mentioned earlier in the show, the impact it's had on my life is profound. And I know it's going to be like that for other people. And it's just so empowering. It is so empowering to feel like you can literally control your body uh, through the through the diet. So anyways, I'm really stoked for the year. And in regards to projections for dialed health, I will be 100% honest with you. I want to be at 5,000 active members by the end of the year. Now, my goal was to get up to 500 by the end of last year, but I also started basically in March and had to make some crazy transitions. So the just how I felt getting from 100 uh, subscribers, basically where I was at, to over 500, we're almost at 600 already, to getting from here to 5,000, it, it doesn't feel that different. In fact, it almost feels easier, in my opinion, just thinking about it logically to get from here to there, uh, just because it, the getting started is can be such an, an impossible defeating thing. So um, I don't know. I mean, that is my big thing. And I'm digging deep to really try and grasp what that's going to take. And uh, we'll see. Um, I'm putting it out there. And I want to make it happen. So let's manifest this thing 5000 members by the end of the year. I came up with that number because that basically turns dialed health into a seven figure grossing business, which would be the most insane just accomplishment ever. I, I can't even imagine doing it, but at the same time, I can't imagine doing it. So <laughs> that's what I'm focused on. And um, anyways, I want to thank you guys for the support and let's jump into the outro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dialed Health Podcast. I really hope it adds some value to your week, and I especially hope it helps those out who are doing the Dialed Health Shred or anyone who's considering trying to lose body fat intentionally. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go share it on your Instagram stories, tag Dialed Health. It helps with the growth a ton. Or you can go and leave. This is like the bonus Dialed Fam thing right here I'm asking. Can you please go leave me a Google review, five stars, and just say something positive about the website? And that I think could probably have the most impact other than even an Apple podcast review, which is huge. And also another thing that's helping the show grow. But a Google review would be my number one choice. It's something I can't do for myself and is just very important for the business. So thank you so much for the support. And with that being said, start moving forward. I will see you next Wednesday.